One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. the center of the galaxy. This is the Four Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok for another edition and the first of 2018 of the main show, the big show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet. It is Four Center. A new year, but the same approach. Celebrating and digging in deep into Star Wars. And with me to start the year off right is Joseph Scrimshaw. 2018 is going to be the year of celebrating and digging. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Jennifer could not be with us today. Holidays, you know, holidays. We all got things to do. So uh, Jennifer sends her regards and her Ewok love and yub-nub all around. Uh, we are going to be talking today, Joseph, uh, and we'll catch up here in a bit. We're going to be talking about the First Order, specifically what's the deal with the First Order? <laughs> not what's the deal with Canon from Jedi Council. What's the deal with the First Order? A lot of questions, and I'll say this. There's a lot of stuff out there. But The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi do leave you questioning. Yeah. They don't cover a lot of that They in make detail. you work for it. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that is uh, what we're going to be digging into today. But we survived the holidays, a little travel. You went to Hoth. I did. I went back home to uh, my ancestral birthplace of Minneapolis, Minnesota, <laughs> and I swore a lot as the <laughs> freezing cold. Uh, like, I think negative six was the worst it got, Ooh. and I wanted to be inside a Tauntaun. The belly wow. of a tauntaun, very, very badly. And uh, here I was in my parents' house up in Pismo Beach going, <laughs> can I have a blank, an extra blanket at 60? <laughs> Which I would have done. <laughs> I was retrained. I, was, I had to unlearn what I have learned here in, uh, in California, and it was brutal. Did you get any cool Star Wars holiday presents? I did. I got one for myself at Target. Uh, I got a Target exclusive. I should say my wife encouraged me to buy a Target exclusive. Yeah. It's a three-pack. It's in the Last Jedi uh, three-pack action figure, Last Jedi branding. Mm. It's a Target exclusive. It's got a great uh, Return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker. Kay. It's got a great, the best Return of the Jedi uh, Palpatine, Darth Sidious, I've ever seen oh. in an Emperor's Royal Guard. Whoa. They're all figures I wanted, and I just thought it was so cool that, like, now why would they put that out? Oh, is it like they're totally acknowledging that The Last Jedi <laughs> also has a super cool, super important throne room scene with uh, super yeah. cool guards? Yeah. I love that. Uh, yeah, I saw you tweet out a picture of that, and I love that there. That's good, and I love that you got it for yourself. Yeah. I did that, too. Did you get any other gifts, Star Wars gifts? Get- Let's, uh, yes, my wife gave me uh, the... Uh, Chewy Pop, which comes with him holding the pork. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she got me a great Star Wars tote bag that's got a picture of Vader and Stormtroopers. I think it's uh, Archie Williamson, uh, yeah, early yeah. early comics art. And then it just has the actual script of Vader's first encounter with Leia. Oh, like, wow. It, it just nice. kind of screen printed on it. So, yeah. Oh. Lots of good Star Wars stuff. I almost got a Porg at that same Target. I had those action yep. figures, and then I had this Porg pillow that I want. <laughs> Maybe by the time this episode is released, I'll have got You'll it. You'll have got it. But I, and, and my wonderful wife, Sarah, was like, yeah, go for it. And I was like, we're literally going to have to buy another piece of luggage and check it. <laughs> so this Porg is going to cost like $150 and it's still okay. And she's like, yeah. Like, no, it's okay. It's okay. I'll have some Porg longing over the holidays. <laughs> there's some, yeah. There's some Targets back home. We could head <laughs> exactly. it uh, Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, I, I got a couple items there. Um, I got uh, these uh, Star Wars fruit punch drinks called Space Punch. I Instagram <laughs> oh, yeah. the photos a little bit. I got the Leia and, and 3 p ones. And people are like, Ken, where'd you get it? I, I'm sure you can get it at grocery stores, blah, blah, blah. But my mom got it for me as like a gift. She wrapped it. Oh, wow. Like, like this here is you your go. Christmas present. And I haven't taken a sip yet. And I almost don't want to. Much like when I collected <laughs> the Phantom Menace Pepsi Company uh, oh, Phantom yeah. Menace uh, Collector's Edition um, cans. Uh, I'm going to eventually taste that Space Punch, but we'll see. Is, it, is one of them Lando-themed? I think there there probably is. I, I haven't seen them on display yet okay. um, in, in a store. So, um, no, I didn't get them at 7-Eleven, people. But, yeah, my, <laughs> my mom got them for me. Um, <laughs> so that, I got uh, a couple Star Wars shirts. My mom got me and my girlfriend matching The Last Jedi T-shirts. Oh, that's awesome. You know? <laughs> so that was good. And then, much like you, 
picked up something for myself. Oh, yeah. That you can see. It's over <gasps> here on my display. It's that Hot Wheels oh, yeah. bomber, resistance bomber. Just a little figure on display there. And I was shopping furiously for post-holiday, you know, it's a holiday season. I got to get some food to stock up in the house, yeah. you know? And I turned the corner and that was, you know, if you're just, I love going into random toy aisles at random places you don't normally shop for toys. Yeah. Because then I saw this and I was like, well, I got to have that. Yeah, you got your nice little resistance bomber. It's very nice, uh, you know, yeah. little, maybe a little TMI for the layout of Ken's home. He got it right <laughs> by his television. You yeah. have to always remind himself of the stakes when he's playing Battlefront 2. Well, yeah, right. And you know what's funny? Uh, gosh, and I wish you could play the Bombers on Battlefront 2. Oh, yeah. I'd love a mission with that. They're, they're fairly priced. They're just Hot Wheels prices. I think maybe, okay. maybe four bucks retail yeah. in general. So I'm thinking of there a was a, a bunch on display. I might actually army build and get like six of them. <laughs> and then if I get Tally Lintra's A-Wing, if they have that, I don't know if they do. Yeah. Uh, Tally Lintra, one of the uh, cult figures of yep. The Last Jedi. People love her harm, uh, her, her harm. Hermione Corfield plays her, and, and just in her brief screen time, really is, is is endearing. But yeah, I think I think I want to get that fleet going. Please, please get as many Last Jedi things as you can, so I will feel <laughs> not as guilty about my ever growing action figure collection. Yeah, um, don't feel bad ever. I'm jealous of your Emperor's <laughs> World Guard. All right, so let's get into the meat and potatoes of today. What's the deal with the first order? Uh, we raise this question because it is fair to wonder. This is um, I don't say to criticism of the movies but i think it's a reaction to the past i think uh, he they lucasfilm disney did hear the fans a little bit about the prequels and the politics and i don't agree with that in the end i know it played out a little more boring than intended but there's a lot of depth there and and uh, the state of the galaxy is not explained as well in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Now, in the supplemental material, it is explained a lot, and a great picture of the galaxy emerges, and a picture of the First Order emerges. But we wanted to take some time. Uh, You would actually pitch this topic to me, and it was perfect timing at the time of our recording, because the night before, I had dinner with my friend, who loves Star Wars? He's still, he's like, I think I like The Last Jedi. But he had some, one of them, he was like, Why? The First Order seems like they're a bunch of losers. They're losing. <laughs> they're losing all the time. And yeah, yeah, he goes, I get the Empire did, but we saw them at the end. They won at one point and they were winning at one point. You yeah, know what I mean? They were the government. They knew yeah. what to do. And these guys just keep, they're bumbling along. And I was like, But that, yes, you're right. Part of the point and part of the big picture. Uh, Captain Kennedy uh, on that dreadnought is is that point the in full body. matrix? Yeah, um, because um, you know he's up there. By the way, love him again. Game of Thrones is Shaga. Shaga loves his axes. Um, I he is from the Empire. He yeah. was in his twenties when the Empire reigned, and now he's in his fifties. He made the trip out. He he joined up with these guys. Legacy. And I don't want to say it as a bad joke of all oh, these millennials, but it is kind of this like. Back in my day, we would have done this, and now I got these snot-nosed kids, the yeah. son of Brendel Hawks running me. This is a mess. That's why his death, the look on his face is like, <laughs> I know it. Yeah. I love it. So the First Order's got a lot going on, but they got a lot they've been doing right, which means it's been wrong for the galaxy. There's a lot there. Joseph, what's the rundown of what we know of the First Order? Yeah, yeah. And, and part of the reason, I just want to say real quick, a uh, shout-out to uh, one of our listeners on, uh, a couple of our listeners asked a general what's going on with the first order question but particularly somebody sent us a message on our facebook uh lee knight i, I believe is the correct yeah. pronunciation with a very well reasoned 
nothing angry about I wanted more of Snoke's mystery, but just truly the First Order. What's yeah. the deal? Are they a government? Are they a military? Where did they do think? And I responded like, hey, yeah, I think that's a, a good concern. And I think it's really, it's, you know, in books, in the comics, and it's, it's little hints in the movie if you pull it out. And he, yeah. he replied very kindly like, yep, I went back to the movie and I studied. <laughs> and I think that's it. And, and, and he's like, I can see where you're coming from now. And I think that's it is... Yeah. Should you have to study? And we're going to get into the meat and bones yeah. of that uh, conversation. But now we are going to talk about what is the deal if you haven't had time to read all these supplemental materials. So we know mostly from the Aftermath trilogy, particularly the final book, Empire's End. That's the big one. We know that some of the surviving Imperials after the big battle, Return of the Jedi, they have been surviving for about a year. Ray Sloan, Brendel Hux, a bunch of other people escape to the unknown regions. Now, the Unknown Regions is getting a little bit more uh, uh, clarified that it is a part of the existing galaxy, as far as we know, but it is the edge of the galaxy, so right. there's still more room to explore there. Of Like, does that do they go to an entirely different literal galaxy, or is this just an unknown part of our galaxy, it, which is what it seems like uh, right now? They were able to get there, partially because of Thrawn, mm-hmm. which gets spelled out in his book, Thrawn, uh, because he is also from the Unknown Regions. And he helps them map all that. So we know that the Empire looks like they're done. They look, it looks yeah. like they're done at Jakku, at the Battle of Jakku. The remaining Imperials, many of them, run off. Yeah. The ones who don't run off sign a treaty of surrender. <laughs> yeah. So it's like from the sort of government big world perspective, the New Republic got to beat them all, got a surrender treaty, don't really notice that one Star Destroyer Went yeah. somewhere. Yeah, that's the Super Star Destroyer, the Eclipse. Yeah. It's out there. And this was by the Emperor's order, secret order to Gallius Rax and those close to Rax by the Emperor's list of the game ends with me. I'm essentially the king in a, in a chessboard, in, in a game of chess. And if you capture the king, the game is done. So the empire should die with its emperor. Yeah. Was the thought behind it, go start anew elsewhere. Yeah. And if the Emperor had survived, he'd been getting all these calculations about uh, how to get into the Unknown Regions so he could check out this mysterious force power there mm-hmm. and also maybe uh, conquer some more. So you got a real real light implication of Snoke. Right. But also the idea of, well, the Emperor, if he had lived, would have kept conquering. Right. And Snoke, uh, to be clear, has two aliens, mute navigators from the Unknown Regions, in the throne room. You see them in The Last Jedi. They are aliens from the Unknown Regions. They are navigators. They're the reason they were able to find their way back from the Unknown Regions. Okay, and that's uh, in the Visual Dictionary, visual right? Dictionary, the Visual yeah. Dictionary is coming in hot and heavy yes, with it is. canon information for those of us who like to get really nerdy about the canon. So I, I think the big picture idea, just to know that the Empire, a small faction of it, ran away because they didn't want to die. They wanted to rebuild, right? And I think that is kind of a key part of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get into super crunchy stuff then because a lot of people have uh, asked the the understandable question of like, how their ships are all way bigger. They've got, they have a big laser death planet that, you know, their beam travels through hyperspace and then it splits into whatever many beams they want and that gets blown up and they don't even care because, like, by the way, we have 800 other big ships and oh, did you blow up the Fulminatrix? Whatever. Here are eight <laughs> other amazingly huge ships and we got our gorilla walkers and, like, yeah. how, how do you, how did no one notice? <laughs> uh, and the, the answer is fair question. Our heroes noticed. Yes. Leia noticed, but no one would listen. 
so in Bloodline, it's really spelled out quite well of how the uh, First Order used criminal cartels in various fronts to basically amass money and equipment in a way that couldn't be tracked. That's basically the plot of Bloodline. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and to, tech, and to you know, this is not a conversation about the resistance per se. We maybe could do that, but I think it's it's much like the resistance, a smaller story. It, it is a it is a, essentially a private army. It is not the true army of the Republic, the New Republic. In fact, their fleet uh, was destroyed in the Hosnian Prime uh, takeout by the Starkiller base. But also, there was and Bloodline touches on it there. And correct me if I'm wrong. It's yeah. been a while, but. There was an idea of demilitarizing or at least standing down a little bit. There's some people in the government that kind of believe that. Leia and Mon Mothma were, were at odds at some uh, some points. And, and Leia, in a weird way, is almost painted as this warmonger. Like, yeah. you're trying to get your rebellion back. What are you doing, you crazy person? Your dad was Darth Vader. We don't trust you. Yeah. So that was that's why she goes and recruits, pulls Akbar out of retirement. Uh, Major Emad is pulled, uh, recruited personally. Um, the forget uh, uh, Commander Daisy um, yeah. is the, the the female commander. One of my favorite characters yeah. from the Last Jedi. Yeah, she she's uh, the one who announces you know Akbar's dead. For those uh, who don't know her name, she was personally recruited by Leia. So that it is a very personal Nine-num. private army. Yeah. Nine Num, another example. Yeah. So for people who who are just watching the movies and have the totally understandable feeling of. Well, so the Empire rebuilt itself, and our heroes just didn't do anything? Right. The story in the books is, yes, they did. Mm. They have any resistance. The First Order has any resistance in the galaxy because Leia saw this was a problem and knew, I, yeah. I want peace. I want to demilitarize. But they have a, they're building a massive army through all these illicit means. So I'm going to arm up right. and, and start the resistance. Uh, so then I think one of the really fun empty spaces right now is at some point, one would assume that Ray Sloan, mm-hmm. who is a character who tracks through a lot of various Star Wars comic books and books, uh, loses power in Snoke's. He's like, hey, what are you guys building over there? <laughs> I'll take that. At some point, we have no idea exactly when or how, uh, but there's a great, uh, oh, oh, kiss my lips, <laughs> Italian chef gesture. Uh, the Phasma novel. Yeah. It's got a lot of Brendel Huck, so you get a little bit of a view on him and, and the general size and power of the First Order, and it's set about 10 years before The For- Force Awakens, Yeah, that part of it. But there's just a great throwaway la- line about the First Order's power structure. Well, the old power structure, but there's a new one. Yeah. So you get the sense that's, I think, I could be wrong, I think that's about all we have in canon. We don't know that story yet, but it seems to me at some point, evil Force user Snoke from the Unknown Regions comes in and goes... Cool. I'll take your toys. Yeah. And and which is why it doesn't necessarily need to factor into the movies. Uh, we don't need to know Snoke, where he was born, all this kind of stuff. But we're going to get, I'm sure, a mm. little bit more of what he is. And it's I, just it, a question of when. Yeah. And, and Ray Sloan's going to factor into that great. Ray, Ray Sloan was a captain when she first appeared in the, uh, what is it, the first of the new canon novels, The New Dawn, which focuses yeah. on Hera and Kanan and seven years prior to the events of Star Wars Rebels. It's the first time you see her working with Count Vidian. And then she reappears, and she keeps reappearing. Comics aftermath, and uh, she is uh, toes line. She's like, she's a good bad guy, you know. Yeah. And at aftermath, she maybe makes I don't want to spoil it, but she she makes a choice. But yeah, she's there, and 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 says the actual words like, 
our first order will be to rebuild what was lost. You yeah, know? So, to literally rebuild the empire. Yeah. Uh, we'll get a little bit more into the sort of the thematic depths of all that, too. Uh, but we're almost done with kind of our crunchy uh, first order yeah, we're setting backstory. The here. I'm having so much fun this setting is, this picture. Oh, God, it's fun. Uh, so then uh, Bloodline implies, but we don't spend a lot of time with, that there's this next step of convolution where... Within the existing republic in our galaxy as we know it, uh, there's a political party called the Centrists, and some of and some of them want to have a little bit more firmer control over everything, and they start to have sympathies with the First Order. Once the First Order kind of starts to emerge, and again, we don't know that part of that story. We don't know that part of that story where the First Order really starts poking its giant star destroyer no- noses out of the unknown regions back into the galaxy as we know it, and starts going like. Hey, uh, we we have some equipment, but don't worry about us. But yeah. at, at whatever point they do that, some of the actual government starts going like, well, maybe maybe they have good ideas. Maybe the, <laughs> maybe the galaxy does need more control. Maybe our government is weak and just classic authoritarian strongman right sort of uh, ideas. Yeah. Do you now? Is there anything I'm missing? Do you know anything more anywhere in canon? I know you know the Poe Dameron comics about when the First Order really starts to. Let itself be truly seen and known. I, I I don't know exactly. So if Bloodlines is what six years, it's six years before the before Force, Force Awakens. Awakens, yeah, it's in that time. And then there's that book before the Awakening, which I almost want to reread again. It's a it's a quick good read. Focuses on Ray, Finn, and Poe. Poe is flying for for the Republic, and he's yeah. recruited by the Resistance. And I thought I remember reading it, thinking, "Wow, that's really close to the Force Awakens that the Resistance is fully forming." So when when the First Order emerges, I think either I I have to restudy, which is a joy to do in yeah. Star Wars, or, or it really has to be put out there by the, by Lucasfilm. But there is clearly a time where the First Order is seen and known by the galaxy. Maybe not the existence of Starkiller Base, maybe not how much machinery and power they have. Right. But definitely, like, we, uh, we believe in Imperial yeah. ideas. And we yeah. want to be a part of this galactic conversation, and they do are having skirmishes with the resistance. That's right. uh, the framing device of the Phasma book. That's obviously what's going on in most of the Poe Dameron comic, right? Yeah, yeah. So there yeah. is like that room for uh, for st- storytelling. So then, obviously, everything uh, blows up literally in the Force Awakens. Uh, the First Order blows up Hosnian Prime, which is the seat of the uh, the New Republic, the Republic really at that point, and blows up their entire fleet. So. Uh, the government's gone. Government's gone. Everything's gone. Yeah. So, uh, and then I think, uh, this is my final point, which mm-hmm. I think in this story, which I think is really a great detail in the crawl of The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. it says they start taking military control. Because that's yeah. a great story that they don't have a government other than yeah. screw every sentient being in the galaxy, we're in command now. Right. And they're just... Yeah, they're not they're they're not busily flying to Coruscant to make him President Snoke or yeah, whatever. Yeah, they are just brutally taking military control of major systems. It's like a super form of martial law. Yeah, it's a, it's a coup of the galaxy. And yeah, in the Force Awakens, you see Chancellor Vilchim with Corsella die. They're the ones that are that you see focus on when the balcony. Yeah, yeah, the balcony. And there's a little subplot that was cut from uh, the the Force Awakens that was Leia sending Corsella, who also appears in Bloodlines, and says, hey, go tell the government this is our final chance to get them on board because they would have had the Republic's army and fleet 
at their side, at their disposal. When that happens, the first order, that speech from Hux on which we stand, that speech is is basically saying we're taking over. Yeah. There's no more. We've played nice. We're done. And then that pitiful little band of resistance fighters, that new rebellion, would crush them too. And the, the taking over, I'm intrigued by this taking over the military uh, control of the galaxy. Yeah. Because that means... While we're watching The Last Jedi, we're focusing on this little little story. And little, it's a big part of the galaxy. That means the rest of the galaxy, there's stuff going on. and Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. And even Battlefront 2 sets up that, uh, you know, the, the, we, I understand why the movie, you know, when, when Laura Dern, Holdo's standing up there and saying 400, that's all that's left of us. You get the idea that that's all them on screen. But it's just easier and more dramatic to say that than her going, 377 of us here. Yeah. Shriv <laughs> and Zay Versio are off here. <laughs> Snap and Amril Satura and, and Jess Pava are yeah. off here. But you you get indications in, in the Battlefront 2 game that there's some people, there's some other evacuations that need to have happened. So it's just easier on screen to say 400, that's all that's left. But that... So that ties into the this military control of the galaxies takeover by the First Order. There's going to be other stories to hear uh, about that moment. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I think that there's just this great story of policy of appeasement where right. the existing government, the Republic, didn't want to do... They didn't want war again. They didn't want more war. They didn't want to take this threat seriously. And that's, you know, that's the great sadness and nobility of Leia. Like, neither do I. They're yeah. going to bring the war. Yeah. It's this elegant to me, like reconnection back to Rogue One. Yep. Of like, there comes a time where they're going to put their boot on your neck. Yeah. Unless you do something. Unless you do something. And the people that would have been like, you're right, dead, gone. Hostian Prime and yep. the other four planets out, gone. So just let's talk about the, the real life inspiration for this. A lot can be drawn from post World War II, Nazis hiding in Argentina, which is this weird pop culture folklore, but it's also something that's a reality. And then, yes, you talk about the, the Nazis or the idea behind the Nazis and the Nazi movement, all the stuff that we still deal with to this day. But the World War II, the, the guy, the, the infamous German Nazis, all that stuff, um, you know, this idea that they kind of regrouped in Argentina, drawing from that, for me, is key to liking the idea of the First Order, which is yeah. a weird statement to say. But... <laughs> I admit, when the first when the first Awakens came out, it was like, all right, so we're just redoing the Empire. Cool, I'm on board. Tie fighters, walkers, I got it. We got X wings, got Tie fighters. It's familiar. I get it from a Lucasfilm re soft rebooting the franchise. Yeah. That's the business of it. But there was a part of me that's like, okay, we're let's see, something else would have been interesting, but when I started to really dive into this aspect of look at what happened. Imagine that. Imagine yeah. that a bunch of Nazis didn't just want to take their ideals and go into middle America, but we're like, no, we're reforming, get our uniforms, put some new patches on, we're trying this again. Then I'm like, oh, that's that's a scary reality. I like what we got going on here in the First Order. Then this is an interesting take on it to me. Yeah, yeah, and this is a direct J.J. Abrams idea, so it'll be really interesting to see how he takes it in Episode Nine. Mm -hmm. But I, I love the idea that these ideologies don't die. Right. And that these uh, kind of fights are things that hap have to happen generationally. Yeah. So if yeah. you have this philosophy of like, well, the only way things make sense is if you have a really strong, cruel, vicious leader saying, do everything the way I say. Right. 
Like that is a philosophy that keeps will will keep coming up, and it has to be fought generation after generation. Right. And I think this is a fun and interesting way. <laughs> Again, weird to say. Yeah, fun no, I, I, after yeah, that. I, I know what I'm uh, saying is weird, but it, it for me, and, and yeah, you're right. Came from JJ himself. It was just like, oh, I get it. Then yeah, this is a group of people going. That didn't work, but we know how to do it bigger and better. Yeah, literally, Star Killer Base. Bigger and better than the first two Death Stars. Yep. We're going to, and ATM sixes, bigger and better than the walkers that came before us. Yeah. And it's so powerful to me because it's not, doesn't line up timeline wise, but the, it, it evokes that real world stuff that George Lucas did base, you know, so much of the mm-hmm. empire on the Nazis. And in real life, the policy of appeasement yeah. is what nobody wanted another world war. They didn't know world war one was called world war one. Right. They <laughs> yeah, didn't yeah. want to have a sequel. Yeah. Uh, and the policy of appeasement of like yes 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 we we've really we have really tamped Germany down but now Germany's kind of building back up again and I guess Hitler's got some crazy thoughts but yeah. you know what let's all just chill yeah and to know that that's a, like we haven't fully f- heard that story but that's the beginning of the first order story when they let themselves be known in the galaxy again yeah that Chancellor Villachum is just like maybe it'll be okay <laughs> yeah exactly. like no it won't it never is yeah. when an authoritarian regime that's all about control comes to power. Yeah. It, and so you get real world ties to what's going on in Star Wars, which harkens back to what George Lucas was doing with yep. the original trilogy. Uh, now we're doing, I will say, Joseph, a bang up job of laying <laughs> this all out. We spend our days and nights studying this stuff. Totally get that. But I, I do you think, and I ask you directly, should this have been clear in the movies? Uh, were they too worried? Now, that's us saying, as fans and as prequelists, saying, hey, they might have been too worried about politics. No one's come out and said no, that, and no. I don't think they'll say that until Chris Taylor writes the sec- sequel to his book, <laughs> How Star Wars Conquered the, uh, the, the Universe. Um, do you think it should have been more clear in the movies? Yeah, yeah. because I think this is, I've had a lot of great talks, and, and I mean that, where, where mm-hmm. there have been good conversations where people have said, you sh- it's fun to be at this party with you where I'm like, no, what's the deal with the first order? And I'm like, <laughs> like, that's all cool. That's good. I, I, I'm enjoying to have this conversation with you, Joseph, but I should not have to have this conversation right. to understand these big ideas that inform the movie. Yeah. So I have come around to, uh, you know, we're generally really positive here on Force mm-hmm. Center, but I've come around to like, yeah, I think there should have been some effort to make it a little bit more clear. Yeah, like the, it's in the crawl. Some of this stuff is in the crawl of the Force Awakens. It's in the crawl, and and a lot of it, I I always make fun of Hux's on which we stand, Star Killer base speech. But you know, remember, like first or second or third viewing, even I was like, ah, it's one of my not, it's not my least favorite part of the Force Awakens. It's so over the top, and as we know now, that's kind of Hux. I think that's Hux pretending to be a leader. Yeah, trying so hard. Trying so hard because he's Brendel Hux's, you know, bumbling Brendel Hux's, you know, son who didn't have a good childhood, by the way, either. <laughs> so he's trying to act out in his own way. But that speech, if you're still slightly confused, that speech contains a lot of the exposition. It's almost a Basil exposition from Austin Powers moment. Yeah. Where he's like, we're going to take out the government and the government can't stop us and we'll destroy it. It's all kind of right there. But I, I, I am with you. Um, a lot of this stuff should stand up on its own, and, and I think it does, but there's a layer on the surface that is not as clear, and maybe in nine, they wrap it all up and you get more of the picture of the yeah. galaxy, because time will have passed between eight and nine, we assume. And I think that they, my guess, my hashtag speculate responsibly, I think some time will have passed, and, and the First Order will be the harsh, cruel 
government right. or just military control of the galaxy yeah. run by two violent, angry uh, people, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hux and Kylo, who are not in touch with their emotions. But yeah, yeah I was going through my like fantasy uh, headcanon of like, now those cut scenes from The Force Awakens was Leia sending Corsella mm-hmm. to the Republic to basically make that last ditch. Come on, come on, come on. You yeah. have to take this threat seriously. Yes, like a, almost like a final piece of evidence. I don't know if, if it was based around Starkiller Base, but it was kind of like that, much like Jyn Erso in yeah. Rogue One, like you said, that thing you've heard about is real. It's real and Let's it's coming and we have it. to do something about it. And I, I feel like it maybe got cut not necessarily because they were afraid of politics, but mm-hmm. because they realized they had a much more dramatic entrance for Leia. Yeah. If they cut some of that stuff. Oh, yeah. Of her and Han reconnecting on uh, Takadana. 100%. Because it's, it's in the novel, I think. Yeah. Though, you know, as we know, a lot of things in the Force Awakens novel, uh, you know, it's a <laughs> different take sometimes. Yeah. But I did start fantasizing i'll use that word fantasizing about what if the force awakens does what if they are just like we uh we're we're gonna go for it if the force awakens starts with leia herself making the final plea Mm. to the republic and this spelling it all out of like they have been you know in the unknown regions they've they've been in a part of space that we don't control we don't monitor they have been building and building they are nowhere they're so much more stronger than we all realize. Yeah. No one else wants a war. I've built this resistance, and I beg of you to, to join us and start, you know, set up a military defense and have everybody just say, no, nope. I mean, it's kind of almost that classic Superman, like, yeah. you know, Jor-El saying, the planet's going to blow up. And they're like, ha-ha. No, it's <laughs> not Jor-El. You know, you could you would get a little bit more of that clear picture. you get a yeah. little bit more of that uh, underdog uh, picture. And it would, it would have that risk of making Leia one of our great heroes. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, uh, you know, the Rick Olay of yeah. The Force Awakens <laughs> just doling out information. The whole planet's a city. Yeah. <laughs> but would it, if it was written exquisitely and performed exquisitely, would it have helped people feel they, like they understood the political story of the galaxy? And, and, and in, it's a great scene that you're describing here in your headcanon here, your fantasy here, and I would have liked to see that. That would have made some sense. But as you're describing it, I'm like, wow, wow, that's awesome. It's kind of like when Padme, like, ah. Yeah. And that's yeah. where I'm sure Lucasfilm, Disney, J.J., Kasdan, whoever, Michael Arndt, whoever. Prob- I'm sure it's in the Lucas version. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's in the George version. But, uh, you know, as much as, you know, we are prequels ourselves and we love the state of the galaxy, the politics, the literal rise to power of this Phantom Menace that was Sidious. All this stuff's great. But, yeah, the jokes can be made because you can cut to scenes uh, you know, when people are like, oh, the boring prequels talking about politics, and you've got like Chancellor Vol- v- v- Valorum, I almost said Vilchip, Chancellor Valorum going, well, do you defer your motion? <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it's not as uh, what we were used to from the original trilogy. This so, Thorian yeah. has a parking ticket. <laughs> yeah, so I-, I can understand why they stepped down. Yeah, just a little more clear but the answers are there if you're looking at yeah i think so I th- yeah and it's it, everything that i just pitched leia saying is in the crawl but it's in the crawl and it's mm-hmm. not emotion it's just hey if halfway through the movie you're like but wait what's the deal oh yeah. remember the crawl uh, you know but i think it is a, a balance like you're saying it's a balancing and yeah. i think letting the characters be a little bit more iconic is probably the right choice yeah but at the same time like yeah you know it, it, i guess the follow-up question is you know, we got all the stuff in the books and the comics and the video games. And it's all tied together. The era of new canon. You can pull stuff from the visual dictionary. Yeah. 
Should it be even more clear in that stuff? Should we, sub-question, have much <laughs> like, say, in Game of Thrones, the stuff I love to cross-reference, have a, they have the World of Ice and Fire history book written by George R. R. Martin and Ooh, some yeah. others that tell the history of the world, and you can go back, and it's an entertaining, thick, crunchy read, as you would <laughs> say. Um, but it's there. And then you have, they just released with season seven, the Blu-ray, a 45-minute animated history and lore called Conquest and Rebellion, Ooh. which is about Aegon's conquest. It's fascinating stuff. It was a refresher on some things. It was a reminder for me on other things. I'm a Game of Thrones lore nut, but it was great to watch. 45 minutes voiced by the actors. Maybe they do a the rise of the first order history book or the state of the galaxy history book and put it all in one location so you don't have to trace all these numbers like you're an extra in, in Homeland or something. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that it is valid that we get some sort of clear path of the first order. And like I said, there are these big uh, kind of exciting chunks missing of Snoke taking over yeah. of when the rest of the galaxy and the Republic officially becomes aware that there's this other faction out there called the First Order that's starting to take over planets yeah. out, outside of the unknown regions. Yeah. Or that even the information of like, oh, we could go into the unknown regions. Maybe there's resources we as the Republic would want. There's lots of right. juicy stuff to be told. And I'm starting to wonder if we're not going to hear any of it until after episode nine. Yeah, that that's I was gonna ask you about the like, you know, Snoke and, and the history and the backstory of kind of a when and where we'll get it. And I think it would be it would it would be weird to have it now between though we do have a lot of time between nine eight and nine and yeah. we're not um, we're at, we haven't heard yet what Delray's announcing unless I'm mistaken usually they do announcements of their next three or four books or projects or something like that or we get Marvel announcing their comics I know we'll get something and Ray Sloan will factor in that as well I I, I think we might be better served after nine it's a great question I'd like to know going in I think a lot of people would like to know going into nine but would it be a distraction I guess yeah. I think people would be eased if we had the like the the story of Snoke, like exactly where he came from, how he took over the First Order, but right. uh, certainly how he he approached uh, Ben Solo. You know, uh, since every, all the characters are aware of Snoke, it seems to me he must have been the emissary of the First Order, saying, "Hey, here's yeah. this new organization, and I'm in charge of it." Yeah. Um, but I also feel like the publishing side has been really careful of like, oh. We want to let the main creators of the films have elbow room. So if J.J. Yes. Abrams decides at the last minute, the scene I had that explained everything didn't work. I'm going to change it a little bit. Yeah. At the last minute before releasing the film that they don't want to have a book that fights with it. Yeah. So I kind of feel like in some of the real big picture stuff, I don't think that they, I don't think this, the story group or anyone else inside has a definitive answer to why Han and Leia named their son Ben. Right. But they've told multiple great writers, you can't write that yet. Yeah. Be, who writers have pitched them with, like, we have an idea, and like, just don't write it. And I, yeah. th my guess, out of the wild blue, is just, we want to let this big story play out before we nail down these little details. Yeah, and because and you hear often people worried that, well, it seems like Lucasfilm doesn't have a plan. They didn't sit down. They don't have a Kevin Feige that says, here are these three movies that could connect to the big story. And then we get this, you know, the criticism of, uh, you know, why didn't Laura Dern know that Holdo was Leia's childhood friend in detail? She didn't read Leia, Princess of Alderaan. And, and I think it was Pablo himself tweeted out, like, a lot of these books are written in response to the screenplays or the movies themselves. Yeah. 
So that's why Luke's fishing spear in uh, Last Jedi became his spear on Luel from the Legends of, of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. They tied it back. The stuff with Rebel Rising and uh, uh, Jyn Erso is kind of an after-the-fact situation. And I guess you could have a problem with that. And I, I get wanting it to be on a big dry away race board somewhere or, a, 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 you know, up on index cards on a wall. But I like what you're describing. And clearly they did it with Ryan and JJ and they're yeah. going to do it again with JJ is just tell your story and the story consult with the story group, the story group, Kiri Hart and her team aren't the overlords. No, they're the consultants. They're the ones you're going to come to and we're going to counsel you through and massage some of your stuff. That, that is, I, I'm more excited by that. Yeah. Letting artists be artists. Yeah, and I'm fine with waiting because I think that Snoke's story is going to be cool, but it's not uh, – I would rather see it play out in the in the big picture. Yeah. Um, you know, um, yeah, and, and as far as, like, my final thought on the Snoke thing is, like, it it would undercut Ryan to a little bit. If if next week we get a Snoke comic, here's the history of Snoke. It's the Snoke origin, yeah. and Ryan's like, it doesn't matter yet. It doesn't matter. It's just he's a bad evil. I think hold back a little bit for there. Yeah, too much. yeah. I, I think there's also a Snoke, uh, an interesting Snoke, uh, not problem, a Snoke uh, pileup because there's yeah. the story of how he took over the First Order. There's a story of how he seduced. Ben yes. to the dark side. I think how he seduced Ben Solo to the dark side is a, a weighty story. It's a part of that's maybe the part to be shy of because Snoke's dead. Yeah. It's a great fun read to see how did he push Ray Sloan out? Did he literally push her out of a window with the force? Right. Who knows? But the story of how he seduced Ben, that's right. something that I, if, if there's room to tell it in the movie. Yeah. If there's more yeah. force time between Ray and Kylo, as, as people are calling it. <laughs> uh, escape. Yeah. Uh, and he and she digs into him. Is like, no, no, no. Tell me the truth. I want to know. I want to know. Luke told me your heart was already turned by Snoke. What did he tell you? What weakness did he prey on? And there's a beautiful scene. I don't want that to have been pre-told to me yeah. in a in a book a year early. I want that in the movie. Yeah, you're absolutely right there. You're absolutely right. And yeah, those are the two big things: the rise of the First Order, and then Jedi Academy. What went wrong? The turning of Ben. Yeah. We'll get those in due time. Uh, the the new canon era of Star Wars, which includes these movies and all these properties, uh, has. Something that uh, I don't want to say was lacking in the original. It's just a different take. Yeah. Uh, the original trilogy was building up the heroes. The prequels was was maybe undercutting some of the foundations that we love, like the Jedi and the politics and how attachment and passion can lead to wrong choices. Listen to our show on the why to watch the prequels. All right. <laughs> um, but this age of Star Wars storytelling is is modern in this one aspect. And it is, there's these shades of gray, not gray Jedi, shades <laughs> of gray, nuance, a little more real. This take on Luke Skywalker it's not just grumpy Luke, like we kept joking going into yeah. Last Jedi. It's a bit of a broken Luke. It's a bit of bit of a, uh, you know, there's there's just there's a nuance there. Yeah. Do, are you happy with this? Is there another way could, they could approach it? I personally am. Leading I, question. Yeah. <laughs> I love the nuance in the complexity, and I particularly like it if you recognize the whole from a certain point of view philosophy of as much as Star Wars can sometimes feel mm-hmm. timeless outside of the extras hairs. In a new hope. Besides yeah. that, Star Wars often looks timeless. Yeah. And feels timeless. It's not. It never has been. Right. The original trilogy was a response to the Vietnam War. Right. There's at least one line, Revenge of the Sith, that is 
Anakin blatantly saying something that George W. Bush did. Right. You know, it's all, it is going to respond to its time. And I think a, this is a thing that is happening across so many genres of storytelling where things that sometimes used to be a little bit more black and white, mm-hmm. because we've been telling stories with these characters for so long, there's nowhere to go except for deeper. Yeah. Like this has happened a lot with Doctor Who. Doctor mm. Who, like Star Wars, you know, used to be a story of good and bad. And now the Doctor questions himself. Mm. Now when the Doctor does something morally ambiguous, there's a big spotlight put on it sometimes. Mm. And people hold his feet to the fire. And back yeah. in the old day, he just would be like, I am good and everybody else is evil. Don't anyone pay attention that I blew up those aliens. Let's just go on <laughs> to the next adventure. Yay, Sunday. Yeah. Um, and Star Wars had that feel too of like, yeah, sure, Luke blew up the whole Death Star. And yeah. Killed lots of people who are just... Maybe a little bit innocent. Yeah. But it's a big fist pumping. Don't think about it. Yay, fun. Get a medal. Yeah, and I think it is just a natural evolution of storytelling. And I yeah. don't think it's just Star Wars. It's where we are as a culture where we want to spend so many times in these worlds that we created that we have no choice but to go deeper or we have nowhere else to go. Yeah, it's it's like Batman's got these shades of dark and then Nolan comes along and takes it into even deeper spaces. Yeah. And, and I, I like, you know... Uh, Dark Knight, I think it really touches on this, you know, he is the good guy, but what does that mean? And what does it mean? You know, I love the Joker speech about chaos, insert a little chaos. Soldiers die, no one questions it. Citizens die, like what? It challenges you. And Batman, you have boundaries, so you're not, I'm going to always defeat you because you stop because you're good. And uh, there's a lot of stuff there, and that's mid-2000s and and again with Game of Thrones, uh, but George R. R. Martin started writing that in the '90s. He had this stuff in place, but it just explodes with Game of Thrones, where it's like, I hate Jamie Lannister. He killed the king. Oh, but he had good reason to kill the king. Oh, I don't. Oh, I hate yeah. Cersei, but Cersei had a bad life, and she's protecting her children. Okay, what's going on? And it makes you think, question. And Last Jedi absolutely does that. It makes you question and look at the, what Luke Skywalker did. Yeah, you're right. That's modern storytelling now. So, I, yeah, I, I love that it is this, you know, complex. And I love that the First Order is part of that, where you really have to question, yeah. the, you know, the, the heroism of your heroes. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot more there. There's a lot more to this good and evil, right? Yeah, yeah. I like that the uh, First Order, mm-hmm. I mean, the word order, it's clear. And it's not just uh, what uh, Ray Sloan said about, this is our first order. Hey, that's a good title. Let's start a band, <laughs> a big evil band. No, the books have had this coming again and again. It's in a, a ton of different uh, uh, eras talking about the Empire, how the Empire controlled people, how the First Order is doubling down and making that even better on the indoctrination that they are the, uh, the creators and holders of order. Mm-hmm. And anyone mm-hmm. who questions them, brings chaos and destruction. <laughs> yeah. And that's, to me, I feel like Star Wars has reshifted, so it's binary is kind of mm. the argument between chaos versus order versus just good, good versus, versus evil. evil. And it's really complex because I think a lot of us tend to think of it, order as a good thing. Mm-hmm. Of course you want yeah, things organized. Order sounds good. You know, yeah, nice Excel sheets, put it all down. <laughs> exactly, and a society is order, yeah. you know? You know, everybody lines up neatly at the grocery store. We don't all just run at each other, you know, and smash, you know, in to get get yeah. checked out of Gelson's Until the self-checkout check, self lines. Then there's chaos <laughs> versus order. Insanity. Yeah. And then you need Emperor Palpatine yeah. right there helping you check out at Target. <laughs> no, uh, they, the, this indoctrination is really made clear in the books, too, which is yeah. not super clear in the movies. Once you have that background that the indoctrination of the First Order is that they bring order and that will actually make the galaxy a better place so of course anyone who questions it 
is a traitor yeah. and an anarchist. And like all of the kind of crazy stuff that Hux is saying is all right in the pocket yeah. of that perspective. And, and a good way to really take that all in is in the Phasma novel is that character of Cardinal, who is mm-hmm. in the First Order. He's, he's Phasma's rival. He's obsessed with her. And it plays out. Uh, if you haven't read it, go, go read it. I won't go it's into good. the detail. But it plays out where he is that. He's like, no. Nah, we're the first order. We bring order. People like order. I, I'm i the good guy. Yeah, everyone will get fed on time. People get paid well if you just let us conquer all of your planets. Yeah, just give, 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 and we'll control. And, and, and to see the growth of the, and, and, and some of the those uh, those thoughts and how they change is interesting there, too. Yeah, and chaos versus order is a good way, the new way of good versus evil, I guess. In a yeah, way. yeah. In a way. And it's not, it's not a true binary, I think, like good versus evil, because good versus evil, I think people can yeah. find their own version of, and the chaos versus order has some yeah. manipulation to it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There, uh, episode nine. I I hope and I think is going to jump in time. I want to see a little bit what happened. I want to give the, the galaxy and the story some room to breathe. I actually love that seven and eight are just a matter of days, if, if weeks at the most. Yeah, if you factor in all of it. So I love what's going on there. But where do you want to see the first order go in episode nine, Joseph? Because Kylo Ren is at is in charge, but. It's so interesting. Why this is why I love it because people are like I, I don't know where nine's gonna go. What's good? I don't want to know because Kylo's in charge, and he's got a little bit. Of, I guess not even. I guess he doesn't have. I was gonna say he's got the let's conquer the galaxy type thing, but he doesn't really want that. His motivations no. are like fear and anger and revenge. And I, I've had a you know a privileged yet bad childhood and i'm angry about it he's got no clear-cut direction and that's even more scary to yeah me. he just is angry and wants to lash out at anybody who opposes him yeah so get that ju- hunk of junk out of the sky yeah just do what i say go down there shoot every gun down on him <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly and hux is a, a he buys the indoctrination and he's obsessed yeah. with technology. Yeah. So taking those threads, I can see something where, like, Hux has got these weird, clever, horrible ways to truly right. just enslave people. Yeah. Uh, you know, who, who knows? Maybe he has big, you know, uh, planet clamps. Like, <laughs> that's, that's not a good idea. But you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like some, like, actual true, like, I, we're really going to literally squeeze the galaxy. Right. Uh, and then you got Kylo who just needs to lash out. Yeah. It, it could be interesting to see... The Empire had that veneer of like, mm. look, we're the government. Here's some propaganda. Nobody really sees Sheev Palpatine's real face. There's some whispers about this tall armored guy with the red yeah. saber that you really don't want to meet. Yeah. But they were shifty enough to have the veneer. And the First Order can have none of that. Yeah. Like, it's going to, it would be an interesting picture of the, it's the galaxy enslaved with no lie, no illusion. Yeah. It's just. This angry person is in charge, and he wants to hurt you because he's angry. Yeah, because the the empire was, you know, on paper uh, designed to make you think it's a safe and secure society, which meant there's pockets of the galaxy people probably live just fine. Some rich people, some people yeah. who didn't live on a planet that was having all right. of its resources mined. Uh, Vardos comes to mind. Yeah, Iden Versio's home planet. It was a perfectly wonderful imperial planet. Yep. And uh, this new version, I don't think will have that. Uh, it will be, and, and because of all the leadership, new leadership has to. Has to sh- uh, arise, but you know, all right. So I'm I'm the the senator from Chandrilla because Hosnian Prime got destroyed. What 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 does that mean? Where do you go? There's yeah. There's 
at least, and I don't want to say at least, but you know, with the empire, there's still up until a new hope was a f- quote unquote functioning government. Yeah, and so it's still like you said, this is out in the open. And Palpatine almost said, "It's like cool, I got this galaxy going, but I'm all, I'm going to start looking at the unknown regions. I'm really about Sith versus Jedi." You just don't Masameda run the details. Yeah, I have a doctrine. I have a dogma. <laughs> yeah, uh, but this is is wide open, pure chaos, and the galaxy could be a much darker place come episode nine. And that's so great. We were talking about chaos versus order because it's not so clear cut. Yeah. They claim they're going to bring order, and now it's going to be like, yeah, if the uh, the you know leader of Chandrilla just comes to Kylo Ren and he cuts the person's head off, and like, what? Uh, okay, that's great, cool, but like. <laughs> who's going to do the stuff we want them to do on Shandrilla now? Yeah, exactly. Like, who's literally, is there a chain of, oh, geez. Oh, boy. Kylo, Chaos. you're not thinking this through. Uh, all right. Now, I consider you a good guy, Joseph. <laughs> I consider you one of the I good try. guys. You are a Jedi, pure of heart. Um, but if you were in the First Order, if you got press ganged, if you were part of Operation <laughs> Resurrection, you got uh, swiped as a child and turned into a stormtrooper, and you were FN2188, who would you rather follow? Hux? Or Kylo Ren? I think I would follow Hux, and I know I'm going to hear about that because people tell me I look like Hux <laughs> all the time. No matter how much I acknowledge it, I know. I'm a ginger space Nazi. You look like his cousin. Try not to yell as much. But no, I mean, I think that's the interesting thing is Kylo's got the literal power with the Force. Yeah. Uh, and Hux is a you know whiny, damaged youth, but at least he is obsessed with structure. Yeah. So I feel like... Mm, and he also seems easier to undermine. Well, undermine because he's predictable. That's my answer too. It's the Captain Kennedy thing. I cannot uh, you know, much <laughs> much like I love Radis and Rogue One. I can get emotional discussing Radis. I'm not going to do emotional discussing Captain Kennedy, but uh, it is uh, an amazing small uh, small little role. Mark Lewis Jones, uh, his name. Because it says so much about Hux and state of it, and Kennedy's just probably still. I remember Piet and Ger Gerard. Those were true leaders. I'll be a captain in this crazy kid's army and get some stuff done. And then it costs them. He has to follow him to the point of his death a little bit. And that to me is I would be in that. I don't want to be die on my dreadnought. But yeah. I just like you said, I want to I want to be whispering in Hux's ear like, you know, what we should do. We should form a small government to run some of the planets. Like, you know, you could kind of get your way with that. So you I could actually that. ration some food, and that wouldn't be that bad, would it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So that is, guys, the story of the First Order. It's the story of lovely <laughs> order. Um, there's a lot to discuss. Secret chaos. Uh, Joseph and I love digging into this stuff here. It is so much, and that is why... I think, uh, you know, yes, some of it isn't as apparent in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. You have to dig. But when you dig, you find these rewards. So juicy. There's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, that's why we dig here on Force Center. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you guys have some thoughts about the First Order. Let us know. There's a lot of places we'll tell you at the end of the show where you can write us and find out. But we, as we like to do here on the main show, are taking some audience questions. That's right. And we're still uh, using up some of the great questions that got sent in about The Last Jedi. We have one from Harrison Moore. Harrison Moore says, why didn't the First Order just have some of their ships do a micro jump to get ahead of the Resistance fleet? Now, this is a big one that's been discussed, or at least I've seen the question brought up a lot. Ken, do you have a hot take on this one? I, yeah, Harrison's a great question. My hot take is because eh, they would ruin the movie. <laughs> and I know that's not the answer, right? I know. Yeah. I know, we're, I know we're supposed to have a little science behind it and 
yeah, in Rogue One, we now know that we saw the hyperspace tracking. That's how that came about, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, there's some science behind uh, gravity and bombs. But I didn't care in Empire when they bombed the asteroid field. I don't care yeah. now. So, Harrison, um, I think there are some legitimate questions. Or maybe they could have... Uh, Set the coordinates and had another ship jump to light speed from another part of the galaxy in front of the Radis. I, I don't know. There's a lot of things. I just call me a dumb man. But when I'm watching the movie and they're like, hey, the ships are going too fast for us. They're out of range. I go, cool. Yep. That's, <laughs> that's great. it. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I, I agree with that. I think there are other two other things if you want to sort of crawl into uh, trying to make it make sense. I like the general picture of hyperspace that the general wisdom mm-hmm. that everybody has is this is very delicate. You don't do yeah. little micro jumps. It's for traveling fast distances safely around yeah. all of the obstacles that are in the galaxy. And that ties in with Holdo of like the reason that people haven't been doing that forever is nobody ever thought of it before because it's yeah. stupid, dangerous, and insane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mess the coordinates, you, you find yourself uh, floating in space real fast, kid. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm yeah. not quoting Hung correctly. I'm bad at Star Wars quotes. The movie trivia showdown will tell you that. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and that's why it's not easy to get to the unknown regions. It's not easy to get back from the unknown regions. Uh, hyperspace is something that I don't, hyperspace travel is not something we quite understand. But Harrison, I don't want, I definitely don't want undercut your question it's a fair it's a good, question it's a really good question i just think it's sometimes sometimes plot i have one other actual plot reason yeah is that snoke was pulling a palpatine now mm. we remember that snoke wanted to make this connection between ray and kylo because it was a trap for ray to come to him ah. which is what he wanted and then what does he do he does the exact same thing that palpatine does to luke he says look in my, not a regular window, my weird cool window <laughs> that my weird attendant guy set up for yeah. me, and look at your fleet being destroyed and let that pain and anger wash over you and I'm going to turn you. So maybe they could have, and Snoke's just like, no, make it slow and painful so Ray can watch this. Hey, you know what? It is I who allowed the location <laughs> of the shield generated. That's a good theory. When your Speculate arrive. responsible. <laughs> Responsibly, but I like that theory. Uh, next question is from Derek Hoskins. Derek says, do you think that Kylie Ren's decision... <laughs> now, I'm not making fun of you, Derek. I just had to read that because that happens to me on the autocorrect, too, that changes <laughs> Kylo into Kylie, which really takes his power away. Do you think that Kylie Ren's decision to become the Supreme Leader will lead to an end to the Skywalker bloodline in nine? I feel like this is a way to finish the saga films and clear the board for Johnson's new trilogy. That That's a great observation because, you know, these are saga films. They're supposed to be about uh, the Skywalkers. That's what we're kind of sold. And, and and seven, and it was the question of where's Luke, and eight is here's Luke, and nine is there's the ghost Luke. So I understand this question, and this leads to the big thing of should Kylo Ren be redeemed. I am still on board for Ren's redemption, for Ben Solo's redemption. Mm-hmm. But I accept, and, and you really pointed this out and drove it home for me, Joseph, on our, on our review of Last Jedi, that when Leia says he is lost and Luke's like, I know I'm here to destroy him, essentially yeah. giving the idea that he was there and, and to, to kill him, I, I believe it and I accept that. So I could see an a- Abrams uh, bringing in a switch here at the end, a third act switch, and I'd be on board with it because then it would be about the Skywalker uh, line, but you've put this out there too, and I've heard other people say, "Hey, what if what if Ray takes the name and like 
just because it's an adoption situa- situation. Yeah. And she's Skywalker, not in blood, but in name. So I don't know. But the, the thing is, Derek, and then I'll hand the ball over to you here, Joseph, is this is what I love about Nine. I just don't know where it will go. I know. It's exciting. Yeah. I, the more I've been thinking about Kylo and the, the possibility of redemption, I really think it's a you can't uh, be helped if you don't want help. And I think that's what's going on in The Last Jedi, as everybody senses. Uh, he, the reason that Luke could save Vader is Luke or is Vader was conflicted. Mm-hmm. Vader wanted to turn, and yeah. Kylo does not want to let it go of his anger. He's conflicted. Yeah. He's unbalanced because he killed his father. He yeah. can't bring himself to kill his mother, but he's not willing to say, I was wrong. Yeah. That might be an interesting twist if, through no action of anybody trying to save him, but he comes to that himself. Yeah. He says, I don't want the Skywalker bloodline to end. I don't want it to all end like this. Yeah. That that could be fascinating could to be me. It. In terms of clearing the board for Johnson's new trilogy, I think, especially after Last Jedi, when Ryan Johnson says, I want to go somewhere unconnected to anything, we should believe the hell out of him. Yeah. I don't think there's any Easter egg. This is my opinion. I don't think there's any Easter egg in any part of Star Wars ever. Yeah. That is going to connect to Ryan Johnson's new trilogy. I, 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 th- I think you're right. I think they're going to try this bold, brave, new, new world and approach. Yeah. They're going to hey. go... Yeah, And I'm excited to see, obviously you and I love Last Jedi, but one thing you can say is Last Jedi is unlike other Star Wars films, and maybe some of the nicer criticisms of Johnson might be like, hey, this was different than what we wanted, but imag- but, it, but it's still good, you know, there's some, yeah. still stuff there. So imagine Johnson being able to shoot all this wonderful, beautiful, epic stuff, and not you don't have to worry about it destroying yeah. the original trilogy lore that you love. You know what I mean? And and I, I'm saying that nicely out of love for the, those kind of criticisms. But yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. Cool. Uh, so Patreon, we got some a couple questions. Our patrons on Patreon, we have from Manning Franks with JJ just pitching now his vision for Episode Nine to Lucasfilm and Iger. Do you think it's possible they are starting completely from scratch now? And if so. Do we expect J.J. to further explain some of the things he set up in TFA or even undo some of what Ryan Johnson did as someone who is lukewarm on the film, couldn't resist, Mm -hmm. I'm conflicted? So this is a a big question that's been coming uh, across a lot of if you see The Last Jedi is undermining questions that uh, J.J. Abrams set up, will he re-steer the ship? Or is he inspired by, it was really different, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go just follow my bliss. Here, here, here's one thing I think that's sometimes forgotten is after Force Awakens, mm-hmm. when Abrams, we knew he wasn't going to come back. He was done. You know, he, he, he's, he is producing credit only because the deal and contract they signed, he probably had some like, not say, but just like involvement. Producing yeah. credits for, and I don't want to talk down or, or, or ex- over explain to, to people listening, but. So the producing credit's a weird thing. It's it's sometimes a person on the ground there every day. Uh, George Lucas, Return of the Jedi is a good example. Um, You know, Gary Kurtz, all that kind of stuff. And sometimes it's uh, cool. Give me my points on the back end. It's part of me doing the first one. And sometimes it's your cousin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's just, I want my name up there on the screen to tell my friends. Yeah, and, and I, I, I take that moment to explain it because I've had some people say, someone specifically was going after me on, on Twitter and was like, well, I can't, you know, Johnson was a producer. Clearly he and, he and Ryan didn't speak. And it's like, that. They don't get hung up on that title of producer. He and Ryan did speak. Yeah. Ryan Johnson has said that. And, and he wrote uh, eight while seven was being shot. Yeah. And don't forget, this is where I was going back before I, 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 I 
I wander like Yoda sometimes <laughs> without focus. JJ said upon the completion of seven that he had read the script for eight and he was jealous that he wasn't directing it. Yeah. He loved the ideas. He and Ryan have talked since. And I was at the premiere, and they were both there within five feet from each other, you know? So <laughs> no side-eye from J.J. Abrams. No side-eye. Good old Ryan Johnson. No, yeah. It's the best game of yes and in the improv world. Yes and. I think J.J. loves the direction, and I think he's going to build on that, not reclaim anything, because I think he loved the answers Ryan had. Yeah, absolutely. I think so, too. I think that he is... That quote that he gave uh, immediately after The Force Awakens, when there was no pressure on him to talk up eight, and then the quote that he gave when he took over episode nine, which is about Mm -hmm. all he said is, I can't wait to take this in new and surprising directions. Right. I'm super paraphrasing, but everything he was saying was, I can't wait. And I think you go back to, I think Lucasfilm wanted The Force Awakens to be as you have said, a soft reboot. Yeah. They wanted it to feel uh, familiar up to a point, and I think J.J. Abrams is excited to take it in weird directions. Who knows? Maybe one of his weird directions is uh, Snoke uh, has eight Horcruxes, the Star Wars version of Horcruxes. Who knows? Maybe. But I don't, even if that happens, I think it's because it's what J.J. Abrams wants to do, not because J.J. Abrams was unhappy with The Last Jedi. Yeah, absolutely. It's not that type of game. You know, they're not going to play that type of game. But it's a fair question. You know, it's a fair question. And as far as, you know, they're pitching now and are they going to completely start from scratch? That is actually an interesting question. I don't know. We know that Colin and his writing team had this thing ready to go. Uh, Bobby Moynihan told that story on Jedi Council to us that he was at a party, I think at the, what, the SNL 40th or whatever it was, okay. SNL, and Daisy Ridley came up to Colin, and Colin and, and Bobby are friends from Book of Henry, and, and she was like, I want what happens to me? And he's like, do you want to <laughs> know? And he pulls her off to the side of the party and tells her, and Daisy cries. And Bobby's watching this. Oh, wow. So they know there. So... You know, I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. We'll find out. But I, 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 I would. It, I have it. I'm str- <laughs> sorry, uh, Manny. And I'll say this: um, knowing what pre-production is and how long it takes, and and knowing that the Last Jedi, some of the earliest sketches for the Last Jedi were in 2013. Yeah, I, it would be hard pressed to throw. You'd be hard pressed to throw everything out. Yeah, that I have a tough time believing. But who knows? Yeah, I think it it is the wrap-up of a trilogy, and I think it demands certain things, and I think some big pieces have been in place for a long time, and I think if there's any tweaks, it will be, in reaction to The Last Jedi, it will be smaller. Like uh, when uh, Force Awakens came out and the new characters landed, this is a quote that we haven't been focusing on a lot, Ryan Johnson went back and beefed up the new characters' plots in The Last Jedi because they were so beloved. So maybe it'll be those kind of tonal shifts, but... Uh, but yeah, more I think porks, that's, that's it. Great, great question, Manning. Next on to Gary Hassara. Gary asks, Yoda told Obi-Wan to get the skinny from Qui-Gon about force ghosting. <laughs> so that obviously hadn't made it into the Jedi curriculum at that point. Does that mean we only have a few Jedi that can force ghost with Order 66? Everyone was wiped out before they could learn that handy trick. Uh, and I'll, I just want to jump on this one real quick. That, yeah, that's that's totally the story. And again, this is one of those stories that's super central to Star Wars lore that is buried in, in the Clone Wars animated series the most, but also uh, random books and, and comics here and there. And yes, it's it's a great and unique power, and we only have these handful of Jedi who can do it, and still a lot more stories to be told of, uh, is Luke going to use that power? 
did Anakin become a full Force ghost who can visit people? Or did they just basically, did Yoda and Obi-Wan just basically pull him into existence to just uh, smile at his son for a second? And he, then he's off, lost his identity? So there are still mysteries to be solved. But one mystery that at this point has been solved is sadly... Coleman Trabor, <laughs> Quinlan Voss, Yarl Poof are not going to be popping up, shimmering, and telling Ray what to do because they did not learn this unique ability that Qui Gon discovered. Yeah, which hey, I love that it's Qui Gon, you know, yeah. and and it's from the mind of George. Because remember, we all the question: Why didn't Qui Gon disappear? Why didn't Qui-? and George was like, eh, you'll you'll get that answer. Yeah. We didn't really get it in the movies, but we did get it in the lost season of Clone Wars, the Yoda arc, like you said. And uh, I do love the image. It's almost like the Return of the King Army of the Dead that Aragorn goes and recruits, uh, the ghost army. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to see that, but that's <laughs> funny. Opos, Opo Rancisis and... Uh, <laughs> Just all uh, the weirdos. You know, uh, Shakti, everyone there popping back ghost in. Ghost Yaddle. Ghost Yaddle. That'd be interesting. But yeah, I'd like it. And I'm fascinated by it. And, and the, the stories from a certain point of view that touch upon it again with Qui-Gon coming back and how he had to kind of really manifest himself and it was feeling work. it. Yeah. yeah, it was work. Um, it's fascinating to me, and, and uh, I'm glad uh, I'm glad Luke's probably learned it, and we'll see yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Great questions, as always. Uh, thanks, everyone, for sending them in. Absolutely. You can reach out to us on Twitter. That's at Force Center Pod. We have a Facebook page, Force Center Podcast. Like it there. Send us some long-form messages there. There were 280 characters. You can get more of your <laughs> questions in on Twitter. Just use that hashtag, Force Center. And uh, we have merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. We have that new Ewok shirt. I heart murder bears. I've been wearing it around and getting good <laughs> responses from people. And we're working yum, on that specula- hashtag speculate responsibly uh, shirt there. And uh, we are podcasts available on uh, several locations. Podomatic, which also includes the mobile app there. Apple Podcasts, if you're on there, rate and review. Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Force Center is on Spotify. Patreon, though, where we get some special quest- questions, Joseph. That's where a lot of fun is going down. That's right. You can find us at Patreon. Patreon.com slash center. We are building to a couple of goals. The first one we're actually very, very close to, uh, and that is to have uh, audio commentary for a Star Wars movie. If we get to that goal, we'll send out questions, so uh, our, our poll, rather, so our patrons can vote on what movie we do audio commentary for. It'll be me, Ken, and Jennifer, the whole triumvirate. And then uh, we want to get some more new music as our next goal, like we did on the Databank Brawl Show, new music that is not generic and and some uh, very fun tunes, probably by Tony Thaxton, who did our databank brawl music. So if you are interested, check that out. We love $1, $2 small donations. Patreon.com slash Force Center. Absolutely. We appreciate the sport as we roll into 2018. It's here. A lot of things forthcoming. You can follow me at Catnapsock. And Joseph, they can follow you for all your fun and things you're working on. That's right. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Joseph Scrimshaw. And for all of my shows, I got one coming up in San Francisco on January 13th. You can check out my website website at josephscrimshaw.com and hit that live shows page that's it for now we will see you next week jennifer will be back we got databank brawl star wars reg spotlight star wars and a lot of star wars counseling thank you to all the new ears listening here on force center we'll see you next time
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.